habits are the compound interest of self-improvement. And I think that is something that like I try to remind myself of each day. Like if I focus on that 1% each day, that becomes a habit. And when you have a habit, it, it you know, it leads to um, just doing things consistently, right? So, Hey guys, welcome to the It's Not That Deep podcast. I am your host, Deepak Sharma. And this week I sit down with Marcus Sinhuber, super interesting guy. He is the head of sales at an Ottawa-based startup called Hopier. Uh, Hopier is a really cool company because they kind of they facilitate uh, the ordering of healthy snacks and drinks and supplies to various different offices. Super innovative. I'm I'm a huge fan of the company myself. So wh- what he did is he was the first full time salesperson at this company, and he developed a sales strategy and a team that's uh, generating seven figures in annual recurring revenue, which is which is really cool. Today, Hopier is one of Ottawa's fastest growing companies with uh, over 20x growth since 2018. I had a really great conversation with Marcus. I had a lot of fun uh, discussing, you know, the fact that he's the son of a diplomat, um, his hustle and grind, uh, you know, throughout university, having his own franchise in College Pro, and so much more than that. We just we talked about social media. We talked about uh, all kinds of very interesting business topics and how to stay focused and sharp. Uh, he's a really interesting guy. If you're gaining value from this kind of content, uh, please consider contributing to my Patreon page that would really help me keep the lights on subscribe to my youtube channel that's been one of the hardest things for me in in terms of growing uh, and i would really appreciate if you could also subscribe on uh, apple podcast uh, uh, spotify however you consume podcasts it would really help a ton share it tell your mom tell your friends share it all over social media uh, and leave a rating so all these things could really help me out a lot and uh, i appreciate it a lot we're trying to grow a brand here and just remember it's not that deep and please enjoy the episode thank you Uh, Marcus, welcome to the It's Not That Deep podcast, brother. Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me on here thanks, today. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. You're a really interesting guy. Uh, I've heard uh, a lot of really interesting things about you, and it's uh, it's cool to finally have you here in front of me. We've been trying to schedule this for a little while now, uh, but here you are. Glad it finally worked out, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you're an interesting guy because you have a you have a really cool journey to where you are today you're currently the head of sales at Hopier, yep. correct and uh, Hopier is an interesting company because not only is it uh, uh, you know a startup here in Ottawa uh, but you know it was formerly called uh, desk nibbles yep. I believe that's right and uh, from what I understand they had a mission of uh, trying to supply people with snacks and stuff throughout the day in yep. offices but that's changed a bit. Talk it to has. us about the company a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So when Desnables started, it was, it uh, really was starting with the mission to help make offices happier and a more productive place to be. Um, and that's kind of how we bring the snacks into play, right? Like we think that bringing healthy snacks into the workplace where employees can stay uh, stay well fed. I know that sounds kind of funny, but where employees, if you know, if they're hungry or something, they can actually grab a snack. Um, and that helps them stay more productive in, in the day, you know, make sure that they aren't hangry. But then ultimately... <laughs> That's important, man. We've yeah, all been there, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. But ultimately, like, just making them happier in, in, at the office, right? Because 
beyond the snack itself, like having things like that available in the office makes the employee feel appreciated. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of, you know, really at the root what Destinables was about. Uh, for anybody that sees the brand, like you'll you'll see that too. Like we were a happy, fun, playful brand. Yeah. Um, and then we transitioned um, to, to Hoppier. So Hoppier is the rebrand. And I think we did an incredible job of that, or at least the marketing team and, and the team that was involved with doing that. They did a really good job of of the rebrand, um, everything from our website, from how our mission carried over and changed uh, to, to what it is today. Like now Hoppier, the way that we describe it and really what we're trying to do is we're trying to make it as easy as possible for offices to manage uh, recurring purchases of consumables like snacks. Um, that's what we started with, right? But we realized there's a much bigger opportunity. There's things like um, supplies, office supplies that are purchased every week, every month. Things like company swag for employees and, and so on and so forth that really um, offices are purchasing on a regular basis, which is why we, why we in part, why we did the rebrand. Because uh, we want it to be known as more than just desk nibbles. We yeah. want it to be known as more than just nibbles. Yeah, I like and, that. And so that's kind of the reason we rebranded. Re and Hoppier still kept that brand of the, the rabbit, the bunny, um, and that playfulness and, and the mission really to make, again, offices a happier and, and more productive place to be. I like that a lot, man. There, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Um, so are the snacks that you guys initially started with, are they like mostly healthy snacks can you get can i get unhealthy snacks too like is it catered to everybody yeah so that's a, a great question when when uh, emil and cassie so they're two brothers they started the company um emil was actually literally going to grocery stores and costcos and finding snacks to buy um for offices across across Ottawa. So he started with Ottawa. And he would actually find the snacks. He'd, he'd buy ones that he would think sounded healthy or looked healthy and looked appealing, and he'd bring them to offices. Like a cashew or like a, some kind of like little uh, granola bar. Yeah, or, or like protein bars. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, not the Doritos, not the... Okay. Not those, like the gummy bears and things like that. Right. Um, so we definitely, we, we definitely focus on healthy snacks. Um, and, you know, we've actually had complaints before where they're like, well, we want unhealthy crap too like well that that's why i asked it yeah. because like a lot of office worker working in an office myself um i'm surrounded by a lot of people who are uh, obsessed with unhealthy snacks yeah and throughout the day you're offered treats from and cookies and you see people snacking on chips and coca-colas and exactly. stuff like that how do you target people like that who are trying to just continue their same path so i think in general the reason that those are available was because and is because they're they're cheaper options right like those vending tend to be cheaper vending and, yeah. machines and it's easy for somebody to go to the vending machine and buy that um and those were really the like you said the products that offered in the vending machines but also more than that um that was if offices were willing to buy stuff for their team it was cheaper so they'd they do that but what they didn't realize is that by buying you know snacks with high sugar content snacks that aren't really healthy they weren't really contributing towards better productivity for the team in fact you know like if you get feeding all your employees a bunch of sugar you'll eventually crash through the day or you know when you have that post-lunch um tired span like oh yeah it just makes that span a little bit longer so i think uh you know that's why we focus on on healthier options because at the end of the day uh, it ties back to that mission we want to make it not just happier so those snacks will make employees happy um but it won't make them more productive so mm. and that's a big part of it right your your aim and your mission is to uh, ensure that 
people are remaining productive. Yeah, and and on that end, it's also about uh, making sure that uh, companies are empowered to just improve the wellness of of their employees in general, right? Like, yeah. um, bringing healthier snacks in means that they're actually caring about the wellness of the employee too. Exactly, because yeah. uh, as we know, nutrition is such a big part of your overall health yeah. and like how you know productive you are not having that crash at the end of lunch. Uh, so I, I love the idea of the company. I, yeah. I'm a huge fan. I know some of the people involved with it and now I know you as well. So pretty excited about that. It's not always been a, a linear journey for you to get to where you got today. So uh, let's take it back a little bit yeah. and, and work backwards to how you actually got to where you are today. Uh, I want to start with actually uh, our mutual friend mentioned that you uh, are the son of a diplomat. Yeah. And you've gotten to travel a lot because of that. Let's talk about what it's like being raised uh, as, as someone who's the son of a, a diplomat. This is not something that's very usual to everybody. So I think people would like to hear. Yeah, I mean, I don't know where I'd begin. I think it's, you know, saying what is it like being the son of a diplomat? I don't know that it's different from anything else because that's that, what I was used to, right? Right. So, okay, maybe a, so, a better question might be uh, what, where were you raised? Yeah. Where are some of the people, uh, places where you have uh, traveled to? Yeah. So, I, I mean, and I think that previous question was valid still, but it, it, like in terms of my <laughs> no, perspective, no, no, no. right? Yeah. So, um, but in terms of like where I was raised, I, I mean, I, I've lived in six, six different countries. Wow. Uh, growing up and like graduating high school so i was born in london england you know from there i moved to uh from there I moved to bombay india Mom, uh, excuse me new delhi india actually new delhi okay. um i lived there for four years when i was about uh two years old to five years old then i moved to dublin ireland okay um from there it was vienna austria which is where my dad is from my mom's from india okay uh, and then from vienna austria we actually moved to ottawa canada and then I moved one more time to Copenhagen, Denmark to finish high school. Okay. And then I came back here. So You just couldn't get enough of Ottawa. This well, is where you landed. Exactly. So when <laughs> actually when we were in Canada the first time, uh, my oldest brother, he he was finishing high school and he went on to go to McGill. And as a result, we always kind of knew that Canada would be home base. Yeah. Um, even for me, like personally, Canada was just always like a very, very good place. That's awesome, um, man. So I always kind of knew that I'd come back here. Even, even you know, my mom moved back, and my twin brother, I have a twin, he he moved back with with us as well. So Canada was always going to be kind of home base. That's man. There's so there's a lot there. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's a lot of different countries coming up. You never really got to have a place that you really called truly home. Yeah. Growing up. Uh, from your memories, though, what was like one of the most memorable countries uh, that you know you you got to spend some years in? It's it's funny because th that's like one of the most common questions that people ask me, and I think yeah. I think like when when I'm, when I was going through that, first of all, like I thought that was I kind of thought that was just normal, like I didn't really think too much of it at the time. Um, at the time, you dislike I dislike moving. Every time we had to move, it was like such a bummer and like it sucked. Um, and then usually the first six, I would say first six to eight months of the new place sucked. But as soon as you, you know, got an understanding of the place, you, you met friends, you made good friends, you found your place. You move again. <laughs> you, no, no. So okay. after six to eight months, it's actually, that did happen like yeah. after three or four years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On average, I was, uh, we were staying in each city okay, um, okay. for two to four years. But okay. what ended up happening is that after the first six or eight months, you fall in love with the place. And then uh, until that point, 
like that place is the best place you've ever lived. So when I lived in Ireland, it was the best place I'd lived in my life until that point. When I moved to Ottawa, Ottawa was the greatest thing I've ever experienced. But then I moved to Copenhagen and Copenhagen was like, oh my God, this is the best. Yeah. And so you always kind of think back. It's always like one step back. That was like the best place. Yeah. Um, and then you move somewhere and you realize like, hey, this place is, you know, also actually going to be amazing after six, eight months. So almost like one of your takeaways, I guess, from that is that like wherever you really go, wherever you really start to root yourself, it can be beautiful. It can be the best. You can love it. Yeah, exactly. It's not really it. like, oh, I love Dublin way more than Copenhagen or, or whatever. It's just like wherever you are, that's where you know, you start to set your roots. I yeah. like that a lot, yeah. man. Uh, I've been to Copenhagen myself and I loved it there. Yeah, Super it's cool amazing. city. Uh, but yeah, man, it's it's interesting that, that Canada really stuck. I find that really cool. Uh, you know, whether it was like in your hands or not, yeah. like, that, that's really interesting. Partly both, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so you studied here uh, in Ottawa as yeah. well. Talk to us about that experience a little bit. So came back uh, after graduating from in Copenhagen, um, I was actually considering taking a year off to do some traveling, but I went on a, I actually did go on a trip in, in Italy for a few weeks where I was traveling through Italy. And after meeting so many people, I, I realized like, I mean, one, you'll meet a lot of people if you take a year off, but I really wanted to get into university and start meeting people through that, through that sense. So, um, came back to Canada with, with my mom and my twin brother who were also moving back to Canada. And, uh, that's, that's when I started University of Ottawa. So. I took uh, business management with specialization in marketing, and, and that's that was what my focus was. Nice, man. And yeah. did you enjoy your university experience, generally speaking? Yeah, I think I think it was a great university experience. I mean, everything that I'm doing today is a result of the people that I met through that university journey, right? So yeah. um, I can't not like that, right? Because I like what I'm doing today. Yeah. Um, and I think I think a interesting thing was that I was for the first time ever moving back to a city that I knew. So being in Ottawa, I knew Ottawa. Although in a different age, there's a lot of different things you discover, right? Like exactly. I was I was just entering high school when I when I left Canada um the first time. So this time around there's new things to discover, but at the same time I felt like I knew Ottawa. Yeah, so exactly. that was an interesting experience because I was new. It probably hadn't changed that much, but the things you were able to do changed a lot. You, yeah, exactly. You know, you're able to go out and do more adult things yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with the university experience. Uh, were you involved in any like particular clubs or anything like that? Or I actually was not. I did not. Okay. I I did not get too involved in in any of the clubs. Um, I think that I I you know in hindsight I should have. Um, partly like again mainly because it's you meet more people and i think the most important thing in university is is going out there and meeting new people if i look at my degree and look at what i gained from those four years is right. the most valuable thing i will always say is is the people i met the people yeah at the end of the day that's what it's all about right yeah but it's not like you just went like you weren't part of the clubs because you weren't doing anything you've got a entrepreneurial fire inside you and you were you were doing something so let's talk about uh, a college pro a little yeah. bit so talk to us about that you were were you running it as a franchise like talk yeah. to us about that so the first summer that I participated in college pro um, I was like applying in different places and 
uh, I had worked as a as a waiter for a full year before that, um, which was great for improving communication in general with all sorts of people. Yeah. Um, but I, I I don't know I didn't I didn't like all the postings that were up and all the internships and all of it didn't really speak to me. Don't ask me how window cleaning spoke to me. It wasn't it wasn't window cleaning. It was just like <laughs> being out there and doing like yeah. being outside and labor. So I started off with that with with. Uh, somebody another franchise owner so somebody who had their own franchise and uh that person was extremely motivated and extremely hungry to do well with their business and uh it showed me what was possible with a college for a franchise and it showed me what was like how you can operate um at uh or how you can operate your own business really and i kind of took on this assistant manager role like as this summer went on and started helping with like you know growing the business and managing a team and whatnot and what ended up happening was just that I realized that there was potential here in terms of making money, in terms of building my own experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what brought me into doing College Pro. That's super interesting, man, because you, not only were you able to use that experience in, you know, what you are today and what you're doing today. Yeah. But you're like a lot of us uh, go to business school and we read these textbooks and we're in class and doing all this stuff. But you actually did it yeah like you were actually learning about business by doing business and a lot of us are missing that and a lot of people even you know if you didn't go to business school but you've always been interested in business like you had to probably teach yourself about accounting and Mm -hmm. finance through that you probably had to teach yourself about hr totally um you know the sweat equity that you put in yourself you probably understood how the business worked you probably had to cover for people sometimes get your hands dirty and do things that you necessarily didn't want to do so probably taught you a lot man and like expand a bit on like what some of the day-to-day responsibilities were like yes i mean like the second summer is really when that took off and that was uh i was running the franchise with a partner actually the person who i previously worked previously worked with in the first in the first summer um we both saw like how hungry and motivated we were and and uh we we had ambitious goals that we felt we could achieve together um which is why we decided to go into it as as a, like partnership yeah. for for that second summer and uh you know i think the biggest thing that i saw and you mentioned sweat equity is that is when i truly learned like you know putting if you put in x amount of hours you will get you know x or y results um and that just taught me like how hard work can translate and what it translates to and it's something that's difficult to see in university it's something that's difficult to see with with studying like and with putting you know doing assignments and things and like quizzes that quizzes and just yeah, things because that it's you not, don't see an end exactly you, i mean you see the test result but you can study for 20 hours and then realize you studied you didn't study all of the correct materials you only studied like three out of the five materials oh, yeah. and as a result <laughs> you don't get a good grade so you don't actually see like hey i put in so many hours but i didn't get a good grade yeah so you don't really see the fruits of your labor right that's very interesting that you put it that way i, yeah. I never really thought about it like that you know you when you're just going through the motions and doing it you're like well i gotta do this to get this grade to get this degree to yeah whatever yeah right? exactly you're just putting in the work and uh, i mean i don't want to i don't want to speak negatively about it because we came out the other side but like you're almost like just as sheep just going through the motions a lot of the time i would find myself even and i could like say this because i did it i'd show up to class well maybe only take away like 
20-30% of what this professor was teaching me and like if I could go back now and like slap younger me in the face like look like try to learn this but take it and apply it to something like you studied marketing yeah there were probably so many theoretical concepts in marketing that made made a lot of sense in, in theory but you're like how am I supposed to apply this but then you did yeah you probably did have to apply it and then that probably clicked a lot more and resonated more than oh, I have to get this on this multiple choice and then I'll forget about it for sure. two minutes later. And I think a big part of it, so with, with the College for Business, essentially, and it's funny because I'm, I'm just going to say this, I think a lot of people often when they think of College Pro think it's like, oh, it's, it's a scam or it's not like, you know, it's not actually in the interest of the student um, because you do have to invest your own money, you do have to invest your own time and you take a risk. But that's really what, you know, entrepreneurship is about and what starting a business is about. But what College Pro does really well is that they give you a framework. So they take a really simple business, window cleaning or painting, um, which is, you know, why they take those two businesses because you can teach anybody how to clean or and most people how to paint. And I say that because there's a lot of <laughs> negative painting reviews. But you can teach most people how to clean a window because it's so simple. Um, but what that allows for is when you are when you have a business coach, so you get set up with a business coach, they don't have to focus on teaching how to window, clean windows. They, fo- they focus on guiding you and coaching you on how to run a business. Yeah. So the window cleaning part, you can teach to anybody that you hire. Um, and you get to focus on the business part, which is everything from... You know, getting new revenue, which is acquiring new customers, uh, everything from setting up the teams, from managing, hiring, um, and actually operating those teams to to do the work. Um, and then, of course, things like the back end, which is just like payroll, finance, understanding like, okay, how much money am I making every week? Or like, how much money am I taking off of each job? And uh, just, you know, I can, there's so many other areas where you, you have an influence. Sales, customer success, example, yeah. Sales, like, uh, you know just improving your communication by talking to so many customers or problem resolution, dealing with customer issues, dealing with employee issues. The list goes on and on. Like you deal with so much. Um, the real soft skills. Yeah. You deal with these, these exactly. Like you deal with these things where, um, you would not really learn about that in, in university. Like no. you don't learn how to deal with problems. Like you don't, or you don't re- learn how to deal with like stress or like problems. You, yeah. you learn concepts and theories that, for sure, like, you know, some of these things I was, when I went to university, the next summer, I would be able to apply to my business. But really, like where a lot of the, a lot of the happening happens is with these soft skills and these, these uh, areas like problem resolution that you don't get taught in in university, right? Yeah. Um, So I think my, you know, a big part of it that College Pro does really well is they they set you up with a coach, again, who's been through that, who's run a franchise successfully, and you actually sit down with them once a week or once every two weeks to review like your plans for the next the next week and and actually review the successes and the failures of the previous week. Um, and I think that they it it was done extremely well. Like I, I have really good things to say about College Pro. That's powerful right there. Yeah. What you just said about actually getting the feedback and actually going over things and this is what you did, this is what you did wrong, this is how you could do better, this is what you did great. Yeah, and then build from that yeah and what you did so after college pro what was your then transition into uh i i read that you uh had an experience with shopify yeah what was the transition was there anything between that i'm missing talk to us about that a little bit so i ran i ran 
for uh, College Pro Business Franchise for three total years. Three years. Um, and in the third summer, which was when I graduated, the summer that I graduated, um, that year I actually operated the business a little differently. So I actually uh, I hired and built the two teams that I wanted to operate and actually do all the window cleaning. I had a marketing team that would go and, and actually grow the business. And essentially I you know, had leaders in each group that I trusted to do run the business and, and actually have the business. So that summer was the first summer where I wasn't involved with everything on the day-to-day. Um, and as a result, I got to experience on the higher level and like of trusting people. Um, but what ended up happening that summer is that I, I uh, you know, started looking for other opportunities. Like I had graduated from university that summer while I was finishing the business. So I knew that I would uh, either, either find a new opportunity um, or start, you know, continue with College Pro. We, I actually was looking, we were, t- we were discussing being a coach myself. So me being a business coach to coach other franchisees. Which seems like it could have been a logical step at that stage, right? It for sure. And it yeah. was a great opportunity. And, and the people on that team, um, some of the people on that team are absolutely amazing. And, and I think that I would have learned a, a, a ton from them. Um, so... You know, I still think about that sometimes like that opportunity was a good opportunity for sure. But I it was something in my gut that was pulling me in another direction. Um, and that's why I moved in that other direction, because I just trust my gut there. So what ended up happening was that I, I did apply at Shopify and it did. Uh, it was an interesting process. I had uh, first I didn't get the me- the first interview and then I sent an email back just saying, hey, I, I you know, respectfully I, I i'm not sure if you actually checked my cover letter because i think it, it really fits like everything you're looking for and uh, the hiring manager was really impressed that i responded and like really politely responded right i pretty much told her that hey if, if that is the final decision i totally understand and respect it but i would ask that you you go through my cover letter if you haven't yet mm, um, I like that and they were they responded and they're like oh this is amazing i'm so glad you responded like nobody's really done this before so let's have a meeting people just take the l people they, yeah people <laughs> take the l <laughs> yeah go for it man go, oh, go yeah. for it yeah, yeah. Ha- have some coffee don't worry there's no this is not an interview you're not being interviewed by shopify right now yeah so that's true chill out have your coffee that's really interesting you say two really really powerful things there in your experience with uh college pro about trust and then trusting your gut. Yeah. So that's what a lot of business is built on is trust. Yeah. But yeah, continuing with your Shopify yes. story. So with Shopify, um, which, so essentially what happened was just I had a few interviews there. And um, they eventually said that I wasn't going to be able to, to get the full-time position. Then they had a co-op like eight months later. Um, and it just kind of dragged on. So I, I kind of started looking elsewhere. Uh, but really what I did, so I actually took some time to travel. I traveled to China to visit my dad, who was living in China at the time. Nice. Um, spent uh, almost two months there. And then came back and started talking to somebody I'd been introduced to in university um, who was running their own business. Somebody that was introduced to me while I was running College Pro franchise, my College Pro franchise. Um, and I was, you know, at that time I was spending every waking moment working on the business. So 8, 8 a.m. when the customers woke up till 8 p.m. Damn. when the customers went to bed, I was I would work on the business. And a friend introduced me to Emil, Emil Eit, one of the co-founders of Desnables, now Hoppier, or Hoppier, formerly Desnables. Yep. Um, and he introduced me at that time, and he was doing the exact same thing. Like, he was just hustling every day and, and working every day Um on his business and I thought it was amazing. So when I came back, I, I wanted to check in with him and see 
see what was happening there. And then, yeah, <laughs> and then from there, what ended up happening is we just were, you know, we had some discussions. We talked a little bit back and forth. They were, they were, uh, you know, doing, they were doing revenue, and it was, it was, it was decent revenue, um, but there was no full time person focusing on sales or revenue, mm. and so that conversation started unfolding a little bit. And you know, I had experience in in growing revenue and in in running teams, so. It, it kind of just fell into place. Um, so I met Emil and, you know, th- I had conversations with Emil and, you know, realized how amazing of a guy he was. And that's really what led me to want to work with him was that I thought that he was an amazing guy. So I was like, hey, you know what? Uh, if I can add value here, like, why not? I'm not working right now. I'm waiting to hear back from a few places. Let me let me work with, with these guys and see, see where it goes. Um, but what actually happened before I started with them was that I spoke uh, Emil before before we really got too deep into the convo. Emil introduced me um, to his brother Cassie, I, and I did not realize that Emil had a brother who was working on his business with him. So I ended up chatting with Cassie for he set up a call for us. Cassie was in in Europe at the time. He was working at a, a consulting gig in Europe, um, and he was moving back full time in January, which is when we were looking or when I was kind of exploring the idea of starting, and. After chatting to Cassie, we chatted for maybe three or four hours the first call. I realized, I was like, holy shit, there's two of them. And I was like, this is amazing because there's two guys like this, you know, who are working on the business all the time and really have a vision for what they want to do here. Yeah. Um, And when I realized that, I was like, man, these are the type of people that I want to surround myself with. People who are willing to put in the work, people who aren't aren't just going to talk the talk but actually walk the walk right i like that a lot man and you weren't you weren't afraid to take the risk yeah i mean for me at the time it was like i liked working i i had all that experience of working on my own business right and the way that i saw it coming in at destinables at the time so hopper now of course uh was that sales and like working on sales and revenue that could be like my mini business within within the business and uh of course like believing in the vision one believing in the direction we're heading but really i just wanted to see like hey let me put my all my experience that i've gotten to test and you know i was providing a service window cleaning i was providing a service and destinables was in a way providing a service too yeah um starting with box plans moving on to what we call the smart kitchen which is like a full service uh office stocking program essentially where i want to get back to that that sounds really interesting yeah but so yeah exactly so um uh, and i'm happy to get back to that yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) but uh it's like i knew that it was a service really a service business at the end of the day to start um and i wanted to see if all the experience that I'd, i'd gained could be translated into a new new business so that's why i took the took the jump i like that a lot man that's powerful i like i like that like I already said, you weren't afraid to take the risk, but the most important thing for you was the people. Absolutely. It's like it's not like ah, oh, just this is it sounds cool mm-hmm. working for this thing. Yeah. It's like no, these people are like I align with them in many ways, and I feel like I can bring value. That's, yeah. I mean, if anyone out here is listening and they're kind of stuck in a position right now where it's like I don't know what to do, where to work, like. Do you look at yourself and then look where you want to be, who you want to be working with? I think that's, I like that a lot. Yeah. I'm going to apply that yeah. like, to myself. And, that, that's and also powerful. looking at where you think you can add value, right? Exactly. Because if you go into or apply to a job and you don't know if you can actually add value there, 
um, you know, chances are you probably or maybe won't. Maybe you'll learn. I mean, I'm sure you'll learn. But but uh, I think it's important to look at opportunities where you actually feel like you can add value. And it's a tougher sell as well yeah. if you don't bring value. Because yeah. then it's like, all right, well, these people would be silly to just take a huge risk on you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like that a lot, man. I think people, uh, just one more thing yeah. to add to that, but I think people um, people will take risks on that because people will take risks on potential. Yeah. Uh, but a big part of it is if the person doesn't feel like they're having an impact. Mm. Like ultimately they'll be struggling or if they're, if they're struggling or if, even if there is that learning curve, um, if they don't see the impact that they're having, it's very hard for them to stay happy if you don't see the impact you're having. And so in those discussions, like what was it really right away, those three, four hour discussions, what was it other than, you know, you, I mean, I know you aligned with the vision and you knew you could yeah. bring value. What was it really that made you think, okay, I can apply what I did in something completely different with something that hasn't been proven in, in any way yet? Like that's a risk. That's a, like a legitimate risk. Yeah. I think the, I, th I think what I saw was at the time, um, you know, they had made some, some good progress and some, some interesting, interesting plays with how they were running their business. And one of the things that they had were testing with was this full service model where, you know, they were actually going into offices on a weekly basis and stocking the kitchen with all the snacks and grocery items, drinks, whatnot That's that an so office cool. would get. That's so cool. And they had tested it, I think with maybe one or two, I can't remember. I think it was two com two companies at the time. And those two companies, the revenue was like 10 times what they were doing previously, which was box plans, where they were shipping boxes of snacks to offices on a weekly, bi-weekly, monthly basis. Yeah. And what I saw was these two companies that they were doing this full service model for. And I saw, I was like, hey, like these companies look like, A, they love the service. And then B, um, you know, they really, they love the service because of, because of how good decibels was with with their account management but there's also just like significant value there yeah well um, if you're if you're at an office right now and you're the person who is like kind of in charge of not not i mean most kitchens aren't even stocked to begin with people yeah. bring their own shit and yeah. so if you remove that completely and now hey don't worry about packing your like snacks or lunch or whatever it's going to be here a lot of these kind of startups and stuff to attract millennials and whatnot are doing this already exactly so now they can outsource that whole portion to, exactly and to highlight a point you said to attract millennials and with shopify what they did with their office is incredible and you know even through all the experiences the interviews and whatnot i had about them i still i love shopify of course they're an ottawa company and the success story is amazing um one one thing that they nailed was just the the, the office culture and by offering, you know, they have lunches every day available and yeah. they have snacks and drinks and fresh fruit. So if we just focus on the snacks, drinks and fresh fruit, um, that was something that they they introduced. And I mean, Google and other companies were doing it, too. But something that in Canada, you know, they were the forefront of. They started offering it to employees. And what happened was that now when um, employees were going to offices that didn't have snacks, <laughs> it was like, oh, man, that kind of sucks. <laughs> So a yeah. lot of tech companies started adding like snacks and drinks and fruit available and doing, you know, weekly lunches into into their office because they realized it actually had a, a, a big effect on like attracting these these uh, younger, <laughs> younger employees, let's say, I don't know, maybe between 22 to 35. Like that was a factor in their decision yeah. making. It was yeah. becoming a factor in 
deciding where to work. It's so true. It's so powerful because people like our age or people, you know, in that age group that you just mentioned, we don't want to think about it the night before. What, what do I have to bring to work tomorrow to be as productive as possible? Yeah. That means I got to go to the grocery store. That means I got to take more time that I don't have to just go get ready for something that I'm not even thinking about. Yeah, yeah. If the snacks are there and your workplace is taking care of that for you, you're chilling. Yeah. Anytime you're hungry, like, I, I want a, I want a granola bar. Exactly, yeah. I want a smoothie, something. I don't know, like, that's we, cool. Well, think about it. We joke, we joke about this, or maybe not even joke, like, we actually talk about this quite often, is if you look at coffee, for example, right? Coffee was not always offered as a free perk, offices no and it still isn't offered to every company for free but coffee was like when when you went into an office i don't know maybe t like 20 years ago 15 years ago and they offered your the employees free coffee it was like what that's crazy yeah and that's kind of what you're seeing with snacks now is like it's becoming more common but if you go to an office that doesn't have coffee for their employees it's that's almost crazy that's like what yeah you don't offer free coffee like that's, yeah that's or, or even some kind of way for people to get coffee yeah exactly right, right on, in the way in the in way it. in there because people drink so much coffee so we're kind of we we believe that that's kind of similar with what you know how snacks will be and offering snacks as a perk is that it's going to become um normalized in the sense that even consulting firms we, we work with a few consulting companies that introduced snacking programs for the first times and they love it like they love offering it their knowledge you know they work super long hours think about it they work super long hours they're working every single day um, into the night they don't even have time to leave the office because yeah. it's just like that's how, how like how time sensitive some of the work is and you know there's just that much work and then like you said into the night so offering snacks and fresh fruit and things like that to keep them in the office to stop them from having to leave is a no-brainer for some of these consulting firms right so the ones that we introduced it to it it's worked it's worked pretty amazingly interesting sure. that's a that's a win-win because I mean, a lot of offices want their employees uh, to stay in, even though, you know, we are seeing a trend go towards more telework and more flexible work arrangements and whatnot. I don't think you're ever going to completely get rid of having people get together to work. Yeah. Like whether it be in uh, these, what do you call co-working spaces? I think that's, yeah, yeah co-working spaces. Have you guys looked into getting into uh, those as well and partnering with some co-working spaces to offer snacks as well so we do already with a few um i think it's a bit uh it can be a bit challenging because sometimes co-working space are like oh, okay we'll buy it and then we'll subsidize like half of it and they pay like per as they take but that was a bit too complicated like to to manage we were looking to work and partner with companies that were willing to offer to their employees as a full incentive like a full perk something mm -hmm. that they didn't have to pay for separately i like that um and and so yeah like i mean we work with some some co-working spaces but but not that that many i don't think it's not our focus but it is a good uh it is a good place to work with because you touch a lot of companies okay let's switch gears a little bit to uh your actual role and what you do in it at dust nibbles what's been some of the most challenging day-to-day -day things that you have to deal with personally challenging okay so that's a good question. I'll I mean, to... probably a lot of it is, yeah. right? But the most, something that's like a I think, tough uh, for you. I mean, everything that's challenging kind of ends up being the best, like the things that become fun. Okay. I know that sounds so cliche and maybe like is a 
is not a direct answer. I'll, I'll but, think of an answer. But no, no, you don't have to. In the that's sense, an answer. in the sense of like um, something that's challenging is usually makes you stressed or uncomfortable because it's a situation you haven't dealt with before. It's a difficult situation, but the reward of like overcoming that challenge can be so so rewarding okay <laughs> like so so fulfilling that uh you know i i mean give us an example so an example um is if you like can talk about yeah, it obviously yeah yeah so at some point uh last year when we were, we were growing extremely fast so last year we grew by over 1000 percent uh in in revenue and in number of customers and we really grew fast and at at some point you know we we're focused so much on adding revenue like we figured out a formula that worked on the sales side on on the outbound strategy um and we were so focused on that that we we forgot about the customer we forgot about hey we need to hire because we're adding so many new customers we have to also make sure we added the same add the same amount of account managers so what ended up happening was that we were we had a churn issue a little bit mm. um and what happened was that customers were leaving us after like four to six weeks and that was really bad obviously because if a customer is leaving us that early on then you know, if we can't keep our customers, we can't run a business. So that was challenging because it was like, well, what the hell? Like, why are all these customers leaving? Like, we've added so many customers because there's value there, right? Yeah. Why would they be leaving? And we realized it was, one, because we didn't scale the operation side accordingly. Like, we didn't hire enough account managers to manage all of the accounts. We didn't actually have, like, a customer success process in place. Right. Um, and that post sales role for exactly. people for people like listening and who don't know what like customer success is explain that a little bit customer success is essentially like once you have the customer it's looking after it making sure they actually achieve value with you yeah i think that's the biggest thing more than retention it's like help them achieve value with you and if they can achieve value with you or if they actually um you know reach that aha moment that a lot of tech companies talk about then then they'll stay because they've seen the value that you can provide so we well what ended up happening with us was that we didn't have somebody who was directly looking at that we didn't really have process in place for that um but we ended up introducing like we we looked at the data and understood from the customers that left us that the first impression was really not not there for them and in the first four to six weeks you get an idea of how our service is going to be they weren't too pleased with it and we realized like that somewhere we weren't meeting expectations. So we introduced simple things like, you know, in the first week of delivery, uh, after we did the first delivery, the person who actually closed the account or brought them on as a customer would send an email, just be like, hey, how did everything go for the first delivery? Did anything go, did everything go to according expectations? Which seems so simple, and what sending didn't. an email. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but what we ended up doing was we were giving a platform to the customer to complain. Like we were asking them to complain, please complain because then we can fix it for you. Before we weren't asking, we weren't understanding oh, them. That's powerful. Or like asking them to complain because we didn't know what to fix. So every single, so first week we would ask them, please complain. And at the end of four weeks we'd ask them, please complain as well, essentially. And, and I mean, obviously not like asking them to complain, but giving them a platform to voice their concerns or something that wasn't according to expectations. Because that way, why would they like they probably wouldn't feel as inclined to then leave because exactly. now you're listening. So we're listening and then also whatever reason that they had that they were potentially going to consider leaving for, we go out and solve it for them and now they don't have any reason to leave. I like so that. we like after we implemented that process we well I mean we reduced churn to below 1% which wow. is which is pretty amazing and and you know ever since then we 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 will never forget that <laughs> customers 
are at the heart of everything. That's that's a very powerful lesson, not not just in in your space, but yeah. it can apply to everything. Yeah. It can apply to almost any business. Absolutely, if the customer is at the heart of it. Yeah, it's great to hit these revenue targets. It's great to grow and you scale and yeah, we're doing great in all these other ways. But if you start to lose sight of what the heart of the business is, definitely you can. And you, I you think can fall off track. in everything we do today, it is now everything is driven by the customer. So every converse, you know, every every conversation, every learning we we gain, every insight, every complaint, we use all of that to develop the product, our platform. So just just to give uh, a quick idea to the listeners, um, Hopier is now a, a platform. So we actually have a platform that we built after working with customers for over two years. We built as a result of all the problems that they're facing. Um, and so this platform is a way for them, again, to manage the purchase of, rec of uh, recurring consumables like snacks and supplies and things like that. And what we do is we connect offices to distributors through our platform. And uh, we've kind of built this bulk buying or buying for large groups of people this uh, e-commerce experience experience is designed for large groups of people if you think about amazon instacart places like that they're all designed for individual consumers they're designed for me or you to buy our groceries or order some stuff on but a lot of offices today are ordering from them for hundreds of people in their office yep that buying experience is not built for them so no, we're we're building the experience that's built for large groups I, of people. I could personally attest to it like in the office that i work in it's one of the biggest pain points for the hr person who has to order the supplies all the time yeah, because connect me with them by the way <laughs> yeah will do uh got you for sure but uh it's just hilarious to see like how drawn out and like bureaucratic a process totally. can get like it's so simple like just get us some pens yeah get yeah. us some like like it seems so simple to me mm -hmm. right but it's like no we got to do these get these forms use the right supplier we can only use this supplier i don't know i i heard this somewhere i'm not sure how true it is but yeah. uh office supplies are like one of the most stolen things ever there's always disappearing yeah and they're always like people are always uh it's one of the ways people get back at where they work yeah, by stealing I don't know. office I, supplies I, so you're always needing to order more i can't say that i know <laughs> that too much about that I, I could imagine that people unintentionally take things like, yeah it's just like oh i'm gonna bring it's still theft in. if it's unintentional yeah that's true but uh <laughs> it happens right and, yeah. and i find it so funny it's like i mean not funny but it's just like it's something that i don't even think is important but it actually is extremely important because you need supplies to get your work done a lot of yeah. the time like if you know if you don't have this so it's cool that they you guys are expanding into that space as well yeah and we built that again because that's what our customers asked for yeah um we we actually you know did this really cool i think you'll find this interesting we did this really cool exercise where uh, this is actually something airbnb did where they essentially it's called a seven star experience exercise and essentially what you do is you write down one to f what a one star experience to a five star experience looks like with okay. your company today and you know for us it was obviously one star is like uh somebody shows up and they deliver three snacks but like forget everything else um and they show up like five hours late that's obviously like a one star experience like not a good you could even give that a zero star honestly but then the five star experience was like every you know the the account manager arrived on time um or let's let's actually speak with this with the platform the platform in mind you know the, everything that you ordered from the platform arrives on time everybody in the office loves what you ordered um you know so everybody's giving you thumbs up as to the purchaser like oh my god you did such a good job or like all these snacks are amazing all these drinks are amazing um you stayed in budget 
and you your your executive team is happy with you because you made the office healthier, you stayed in budget, and everybody's happy, right? And that's a five star experience. But then what we did, and the seven star exercises, you actually write what does a six, what would a six star experience look like for for you then, uh, and what would a seven star experience look like for you? And so a six star experience maybe with us would be um, you you uh, pull out your phone and you send you know you're you're, you're craving a chocolate bar and you send the the phone like a or, you're, or you go into the happier <laughs> app and you say I want a chocolate bar or you request a chocolate bar and then four hours later uh, chocolate bar gets delivered to your office now that would be like crazy that yeah. could even be a seven star experience honestly yeah but that would be crazy right and then uh, maybe a seven star okay. experience is um, you the office requests a bunch of snacks and then you place your order for the next week and Arnold Schwarzenegger comes into the office and delivers the snacks for you. Like that would be yeah, insane, yeah. right? Yeah, Those yeah. are obviously kind of crazy. But what actually ended up happening for us um, early on when we were we were still that full service model um, was that our six and seven star experience were uh, if if an office manager could log online onto a platform and manage their plan with us directly online, so they could change their order every week. And they could add and re- add and remove items. They could discover Ooh. new products, and they could see what employees liked. Yeah, that's so important. And because so what, what if they don't they don't like some of the snacks? Exactly. But they like some of the others. So what ended up happening? Like so, you know, before that point, we were just delivering like a program that we had built. Um, but that six seven star experience that we set up, we're not like it was not that crazy to actually try and work towards. And that's what we did. We worked towards that. And what do we have today? We have a platform where offices can manage recurring pur- recurring purchases of consumables, and that's really what drove us in that direction. And of course, the the minds of Cassie and Emil, um, no doubt too. But uh, what that's that seven star experience just allowed us to imagine um, and work towards something that's like maybe not something we're doing today, but something that would make that customer experience that much better. Interesting. Um, and that's how we came to the platform, and that's that's what we have today. That's what we focus on. The platform is is Opier, and, and it's an amazing, amazing platform. I love it, man. I'm like, I'm, I can't speak any like more positivity about this. Like, I hope it, I hope it reaches every office. Like, yeah. I think Thanks. it's, I think it's awesome. I think it's great. Uh, how do you get to places that kind of dismiss the whole idea of having? having the office provide snacks how do you get to the next level of trying to sell to people who are just like nah man yeah we're not like our people are good we got a little coffee machine they can bring their own like don't worry about so two two sides one now that we can you know we do things like supplies and other uh, office consumables we don't have to convince them to buy snacks we can just be like okay no problem we'll we'll just do your supplies so that's one um, two is that right now we just don't focus on those companies that don't provide snacks. We, you know, we have an ideal customer profile that's built as a result of all of our existing customers, and that's what we pursue. We pursue companies that are likely to have snacking programs or fit the profile of you know those that typically do. And then we, if if we talk to people, those companies that fit the profile but don't have a program, we show them, hey, like this is why it's beneficial to have it. And if you look at company X Y Z, which are in your space, this is why they do it. Um, it's not a big investment, and it can have like unbelievable rewards. You uh, you learn a lot 
you've learned a lot throughout your uh, journey by doing. Yeah. You, you're a doer. I, yeah. I, I mean, I just met you today, but I can get the sense that, uh, you know, you learn a lot by just doing things. And this is you think strategy a lot. You think a lot about a, a growth, trying to grow sales and whatnot. What are some things you do in more theory based reading, uh, listening to podcasts? What, what kind of information do you consume that helps you think better? Um, great question. And I think uh, I think for a lot of last year, let's say. Uh, I I was I was reading and listening to podcasts. One podcast that I was listening to a lot was Seeking Wisdom. Okay. Um, and uh, I know one of your previous guests, Alman, mentioned that podcast too. But that is really an, an unbelievable podcast if you want just general business knowledge. Yep. The two speakers on there, David Cancel and, and David Gerhardt, DG and DC, they're uh, they're legends. Um, their podcast is just one of the mo- easiest to listen to that I've really come across. That's important too, easy to listen to, because that makes it, you can get into a yeah. habit of listening to it in your car or yeah. this and that. Exactly, yeah. and it's digestible, like you feel like you walk away with something each time. Yep. Um, so that that's a podcast I listen to a lot. I've started listening to this new one called Exponent. Okay, I haven't um, heard about that one. That one I'll, I'll send you afterwards, okay. but it's, it's, uh, it's two guys, two guys who've been working in the technology space for a long, long time. Um, and they discuss various things like uh, business strategy for Disney or looking at Slack and, and Zoom's amazing acquisition, customer acquisition strategy. Uh, but they do do a lot of podcasts on like on strategy as a whole. Mm-hmm. That's one I really just started listening to about a month and a half ago, but it's okay. the one I'm listening to the most right now. I'm interested. Um, i got to check that out. But yeah, like last year, I mean, biggest part of my learning was, like you said, doing. Because ultimately, like if you want to learn about your customers and you want to you know, see what's wrong or what's working, you have to do it and learn by the things that aren't working and then, you know, improve on those things. Um, so it was so easy for me to stay focused on that because it was just, the more I do, the more I learn about the biz- the space that I'm in. So that's kind of what I was focused on last year. And then this year, it's really, you know, taking a step back to, to focus on other aspects of the business, but also just uh, improve my knowledge as a whole. I realized like I was becoming super knowledgeable in my space, but I wasn't expanding my knowledge in other horizons that I wanted to, right? But that's tough though, right? How are you supposed to like uh keep your attention in so many different places when yeah. you can kind of build up a tunnel vision kind of attitude when you're you're crushing it in one yeah. thing. Like quite frankly. Yeah, I you think, are. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's fun. Like if yeah. it's fun and you can focus on that, that like I think that's awesome. But I think I re- I just realized that like hey, you know, I I want to improve as a person in many different ways rather than just the one. Um, and what are some examples of that? Like, are you trying to read more about science or like, like, yeah, like I psychology have, or? I feel like I have, I have like a couple of books that I read at a time, not necessarily like, Oh, I read three different books in a day, but I have like three books that I've started reading. I'm in the progress of reading and depending on the the mood that I'm in, I'll, read one of them so that's for, a great way to do it man. yeah so like one of them is in in uh is in the science and like history and so it's called homo deus uh, i've heard um, of this yeah it's a great book it's on pretty much the future of humanity is that the one after sapiens yes so yeah. the same author wrote uh sapiens uh-huh. which is about the history of humankind to up till now deus is about the you know potential history moving forward based on like the existing history that's that's happened super cool so you know I, i'll read that then there's a book that i'm reading called uh lean analytics which is just about 
uh, different metrics and different uh, things you should be conscious of depending on the business model that you're in. So e-commerce versus, you know, marketplace or uh, a SaaS product. And I think, you know, so for that one, I just, I don't read everything. I read the things that are relevant to my, to our, to our business at, at Hopier. And I take what I can from, from that book. And so I've, I've picked, I've picked that one up like 10 different times and I read it and I'm never going to read it all the way through. I'm only going to pick up, you know, what's relevant to the business, um, or in businesses that I'm interested in. Uh, and then the third book is called Outliers. Ooh, and that cool. one is something I've started reading about a month ago. Super interesting book. Really, really interesting. It's about it's about outliers of, in, in the sense of people, right? Like people yep. who've achieved great things from athletes to to entrepreneurs uh, to just, you know, people in general. And it just talks about what is required to become successful. Uh, and, and that has been a pretty amazing book so far. That's awesome, yeah. man. I, what I like most about what you said is that you don't feel the need to have to crush the book yeah. at, at once. Yeah. Uh, one of like my favorite, uh, tech, uh, uh, CEOs, I guess founders is, um, uh, Naval Ravikant. Okay. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but he talks about, uh, not wanting to, not ever feeling the need to read a whole bunch of books to look smart yeah it's literally just like like you said i'm gonna take the parts that matter to me flip through it if i'm not interested in it anymore why would i continue reading yeah. it i could go back to it and i can yeah, I, that's a great way to do it yeah. I, I like that a lot something i learned from one of the podcasts the D, the seeking wisdom ones dc and dg is that like if you can pull one thing away from a book and you can actually take away one thing then that book already was a success like it's already Boom. worth reading it right yeah and yep. I think for me, when I started really getting back like into, into reading a lot of books and, and stuff, I was very focused on getting from beginning to end. As most people are taught, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But I realized like it was just like some of the books like I gained ready value from and I just felt like I was just trying to get through it yeah. rather than actually try to learn. Yeah. And then that's when I, you know, I picked up another book, picked up a third book and I'd read it when I felt like it and I would be excited to read it when I did. And then reading became a lot more fun because I was actually like looking forward to to reading about the things I was reading. Powerful stuff. Uh, what's a like a daily routine? Something that keeps you centered and and that you do almost every day uh, that you know you could tell people about. Every day, there's like something you do most days that keeps you. Every day, I, I whenever whatever however busy the day is, I try to take thirty minutes to just be on my own. Nice. And do nothing. Nice. Yeah. Just be on your own, be comfortable, just, just be with you and your thoughts. Just that and like being able to like reflect and not not do. Right. Because I tend to get caught up in doing, but I try to take at least, I try to take 30 minutes of my day to not do and not work on something or not work on myself or not work on the business or not work on any other ideas or right. thoughts I have going on. It's just about doing nothing well it's super okay. easy in like today's world to get caught up and just uh, have to always be hustling yeah, always grinding for sure. you always have a screen to look at with some problem or some fire to put out at work yeah or you know something at home exactly or this, that like a million different things hitting at you at all angles i'm right now like that's something that i'm working on a, a little bit more is finding more uh, periods of calm yeah just to, to shut the phone off just go for a hike yeah just go chill just just go to the gym leave leave everything yeah 
away for a second. It's tough though. Cause it is super. There's hard. so many things commanding our attention at all times, yeah. and they're engineered to like be that yeah, way. Exactly. Like, now, I'm no master at it either, and it's not something that I was that I have always been doing. But you know, there's everything that drags your attention, anything that causes stress or you know requires your attention. Whether it's like even joy, like working on things or going to the gym, like all those things require attention and effort. And it's good to to spend some time where you you don't have to worry about putting in effort. You can just really just recharge and in a sense. And like during those thirty minutes, I try to I put my phone away. I I don't have my laptop with me. I don't even read a book. I just like you know sit on the balcony. Which uh, sounds like weird. Like I'm not necessarily sitting there for thirty minutes or go on a walk with no intent of like going to the grocery store or anything. Just go on a walk. Nice. Um and you know walk and observe and with no real intent and i just find it it uh every time i do that it reminds me that like all those pressures and everything that's causing you stress and like everything like that is just external external things yeah man. it's not internal it's so, external. sometimes it's just not that deep right yeah exactly <laughs> now we just got <laughs> had, deep <laughs> had, to, had to plug it in had to plug it in there you go um uh, man that, like i've i've really enjoyed this uh, uh talking about all this this is really interesting stuff one of the last topics i kind of wanted to cover with you we were talking about it a little bit before we started the podcast yeah but social media and how it's changing uh i'm not sure how involved you are in you know what what platforms you have yeah. personally but you obviously uh know about it from a business standpoint uh what are your thoughts on social media as a whole and then we'll drill down a bit further uh i think Oh, that's a that's a very, very open-ended question. Oh, but in, in in 2019, how do you feel about positive or negative effects of social media? I mean, I think I I'm, I'm I think it's just like a tough space as well because it's a very busy space to talk about. I mean, social media is is about connecting people and bringing people together, um, and I think in that sense it's good. And you know, like Snapchat and things like that. I didn't get. Uh, you know, I didn't get Snapchat and, and Instagram until I got into university, into university. And like the thing that I find is just that it, it can be a massive distraction and you end up comparing yourself to other people. You look at what other people have. It it kind of takes you away from focusing on doing. And I know I just said you have to take time to not do, which I totally agree. But like looking at other people and looking at other areas and being like, oh, man, like, what am I compared to that? This is always going to drive drag you down. It's unhealthy. Um, yeah, it's un unhealthy. So I think like depending on how you use social media, because some people use it to just like, you know, scroll through memes and look at what their friends are doing, <laughs> and it's funny and it's cool and yeah, yeah. good to keep up with people. Some use it for news, like yeah. for sports and things like that. My that's what I use it mainly for is like sports related things. Like I love watching clips of basketball, like on Instagram, for example. Right. Um, What's your I favorite have a break team? In my day. Oh, you're gonna definitely ask me about this one, Golden State Warriors. Golden State Warriors, huh? always. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Uh, how'd you feel about this <laughs> last final? You know what? It's it's the best thing that could have happened. It was either gonna be my the West team that I've supported for a long time, the Warriors, yeah. or it was gonna be the Canadian team, Toronto Raptors. There so you go. It was a win-win, honestly. That's I, awesome. I was happy for them for sure. Yeah, man. Getting back to it though, social media. I mean, I I feel almost exactly the same way. Yeah. Everything you just said resonates with me perfectly but uh i'm very guilty of being on it too much myself yeah i've caught myself sometimes scrolling through instagram for like an hour like, what the fuck am i doing yeah 
this is this is not doing anything yeah. for me and I, i've noticed myself going you know like is instagram the one you use most by the way uh i would say yeah yeah instagram yeah. definitely the one i, I use. think for most people it is i, I use most i think it's just like uh, lately with the podcast and stuff i'm trying to post a lot yeah with the clips and you know but it, that's an excuse I'm also fed the dopamine hits by the likes totally. and, the, and the engagement and, yeah. you know, talking to people and them feeding me positivity and this. It's like I'm completely guilty of loving it. It's been engineered to be that way, but it works. I think what was introduced that was actually really great was when Apple, I think it was Apple that introduced the screen time. Screen time. And out. man, that, that really shed light on like, oh, yeah. oh crap, I spent too much time on my phone. Right. I, and, put, I put limits now yeah. on things. Oh, really? Damn. Yeah. I didn't yeah. even know you could do that. You that's could. Like, and like, uh, that's what made me aware of it. It's like, I put one hour on Instagram a day. I th- yeah. And it, it, I almost always get a little notification at some time in the evening. That you were almost... You were on it. And I'm, and I'm thinking... Dude, I wasn't even on it. Yeah. Uh, I barely used it today. Like, I was actually much super less busy. than usual, right? Yeah. But that made you realize how much time you're actually spending on it. I, I think, think, like, a big thing with it is, like, as long as you're aware, like, how much time you spend on it and, like, what you use it for. Like, it, again, it's okay if you want to use it for distraction or whatever. But as long as you're aware of it. I think with a lot of problems and things that you deal with every day, like, if you're aware of it, yeah. then you can at least start thinking about it and... Well, that, but that brings me it. to the next question, though, is like the next generation. And, and we were talking about TikTok a yeah. little bit earlier. And this is kind of a new, well, not new. I mean, it, it was musically before and it kind of got rebranded and, yeah. and whatnot. And uh, it's I think it's got like 85 million new users or something like that. I'll have to double check yeah. that number. But I think the user base is massive. It's I think. insane. Yeah, and, and I'm trying to understand it, right? Yeah. Because to me, my like my perception of it just scrolling through some of these is like most of this is just hilarious like yeah. kids doing funny little lip syncing things yeah. or just like funny little like almost vines or like just like little clips and just like little dances or yeah. it's not even necessarily kids like people are using memes and all kinds of stuff right but i just i'm having a hard time getting it but you, you have you have an account right? i have an account yeah. and i've made some videos and stuff and i'm like i'm trying to understand it and i'm trying to get it better but it's the future though right because mm-hmm. instagram i feel like it's going to uh and, and i'd love to hear your thoughts yeah. about this as well but i feel like instagram now that they're kind of demanding a cut in in, in a sense yeah. like now that they're they're realizing that a lot of people are making money and, and building a huge brand based off their platform they're like well now you're gonna have to pay to advertise or, yeah, yeah. or we won't you won't show up as high up in in, in the ranking right. or, th- or or this kind of stuff. I think uh, with with so I think Instagram is probably the most commonly used social media platform in in North America. Um, I'm not sure about everywhere else. I mean, um, I think it's just very very commonly used here. The one I use most, and for most people I see, is the most commonly used. Uh, but with TikTok, it's interesting. Like you said, it's it's for younger groups of people. I don't know that much about the space either, uh, but what I do think is that it's a new social media platform that's growing extremely quickly, like Snapchat did back in the day, like Instagram did when it first got introduced. Yeah. And when it first got introduced, people didn't know how to use it exactly. No. People didn't know what what they wanted to use it for. There was people on Instagram that were posting food pictures. Well, Instagram didn't even know what Instagram exactly. was supposed to be used for. It was like sharing. It was an easy way to share pictures and exactly. for people to follow. And you know, some people were 
starting to build Instagram accounts that were just for food. Some were just for sports, and yeah. it, it it evolved and it changed. And now you can send each other direct messages, and you can do a whole lot of different things. You can have stories and whatnot. But what 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 reason I bring that up is because I think like for people in our business and what we do in our age um we don't understand it quite as well when snapchat got introduced to me and instagram got introduced that was the age group as well kind of that was using it to at first at least that's when i became familiar with it um so i think with like tiktok as well it's just about about learning how to use it in the right way but there's so many different audiences that you might be able to target and i think i mentioned this to you before the call but you know i I started seeing social media tycoons like Dwayne The Rock Johnson, athletes, different athletes in basketball and in, in football and stuff. Um, and then also celebrities, uh, Gary Vee as well, I'm pretty sure is on yeah. TikTok now. But they all created TikTok accounts. Yeah. And the reason... Well, and he's telling everyone to get TikTok. Yeah. He's like, TikTok's the next Instagram. Exactly. So he, he... And all those people are doing it because they know that with such a large audience, there is a place for it. In business, there's a place for it. In personal brand, yeah. there's a place for it in, in pretty much um, in every aspect like Instagram was, right? It's really cool. I like how you can, like, they'll have some, like, chopped up song, like a normal, like, hype song that people listen to, but chopped up and weird. Like, they'll yeah. make it, like, I think they call it earthquake, where it's, like, like super loud, like, yeah. bass. Like, like, you see it in meme videos and stuff, right? right. Like a SpongeBob meme video or something like that they'll have that and you could take that sound and look at all the videos of people who have used use that, that sound. exact sound hmm. and you can then use that sound and then make a video and you get inspiration from those people so it's like yeah it's like i said it's weird to me but dude i was i was like trying to figure it out and i'm like with my younger brother just trying to like ask him questions because he's like not much younger than me, but he's nineteen. Yeah, and doesn't I'm like, it make you feel old though? Yeah, it does. I'm like, dude, like, just teach me. Like, what do I do with this? Yeah. How do I like make a hype video that's gonna like yeah. catch? He's like, dude, you're just doing it wrong. Like, you can't just put your clip that you put on Instagram on TikTok. No one's gonna give a shit. Like, you have to make content tailored for it. Yeah, and I'm just like, dude, there's just too much. Yeah, I don't have time for all this, but. I've got to if TikTok's yeah. the next wave, right? Yeah, I don't know. And maybe, you know, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But you definitely do see a lot of these social media, these people who are doing extremely well with social media moving there to to try it out and yeah. to, to you know, reach that massive audience yeah. that they have. So there definitely is room there. I don't have an account yet, so maybe I need to do that to, to check it out myself too. You but never know, man. People might be uh, needing snacks. Yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I'm not... <laughs> <laughs> I don't, yeah, that would be an interesting one. Take well, yeah, a lot of these kids are not going to want... I mean, I say kids. I, I don't mean that in a derogatory, negative way at all. I just mean people younger than myself. For sure. Right? Uh, that's just what I mean by it. But they're not going to want, like, like the most traditional office kind of job. They might want something, like... I don't know, you build together, like, a media company. Or, you know what, me and my bros are going to be influencers or something like yeah. that. It's something to think about in the future, like, the Definitely. next generation. And that brings me to my, like, next and, like, kind of final point. Is like, so, with the next generation, they've only seen a world with smartphones and the internet and just being constantly connected. How do we get... How do you, they find a balance and like, how do they unplug and find that 30 mm -hmm. minutes and, and be a little more cognizant and aware of like their use of technology and, and this kind of stuff? 
Um, that's a not like you don't have to give me an answer, yeah, but just yeah. like, what do you think about it? I I, th- I think it's going to be a challenge, and I think things like introducing screen time and putting limitations on it and helping people be aware is a, is a great first step. Yeah. Uh, I mean, everything we do is rooted in technology now, and that won't change. Uh, so just learning how to to use it effectively, and I guess uh, not be overconsumed by any specific overconsumed. Uh, I like that. Yeah, by any specific uh, social media, like overconsuming any of them. I mean, I think you have to just be mindful, and that's going to be tough as a as as a younger person. It's easy to get caught up. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's a difficult challenge that's ahead, and I think you'll see a lot a lot of uh, noise around that over, over the coming years. Absolutely, man. So, I mean, believe it or not, we've already done over an hour. Wow. Yeah. So it's been a it's been a great chat so far. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I feel like we could do this like all day. Probably. Just keep keep talking shit. I love it. Uh, but um, we do have to wrap this up soon, and I'd like to before doing that. Uh, do our lightning round. So, sure. not sure if you're familiar, but I just basically ask five questions um, right. before ending the podcast. They don't necessarily have to be rapid fire or lightning or anything. Just, uh, just try to answer the question. Like, don't, don't worry about being too quick. But uh, my first one would be um, the most, the number one most practical tip uh, for you to stay focused or maintain a flow state. Uh, most practical tip to stay focused yeah like stay focused like and and just remain focused on what you have to get done right write things down write things down write the things you need to get done and are you more of a physical paper type of guy or notes or physical paper 100 percent physical paper because writing it down like is just like builds the importance of it and then at the every time you finish one of those tasks just cross it off it's a little dopamine hit i love that i'm I'm huge on that i'm a huge paper to-do list cross it off kind of guy yeah i can't do it on my phone i haven't gotten around to doing it on my phone yet oh yeah you brought the (laughs) i brought the notebook (laughs) i love that like lucky at it that's gangster (laughs) podcast almost oh yes (laughs) um (laughs) advice for a 17 year old version of yourself uh 17 hero version of yourself uh i i i think i went with the flow a lot and i had a lot of fun um when i was 17 i didn't necessarily spend time or i i spent time improving myself in different ways but i didn't intentionally improve myself in the sense that i didn't make time for reading or make time for going to the gym so if i had a piece of advice it would literally be not nothing huge just improve yourself one percent every day nice. i think that's something you hear about now uh, a lot but just just spend some time in every day to improve one percent one percent every day that's i like that a lot yeah and and in in a year with compounding interest you will improve yourself or the results will be better version of yourself which is pretty crazy if you think that's about gangster, it that's gangster man i like that a lot i i'm gonna apply that i've only 1%. recently started or I guess like at the beginning of the year, that's guy started thinking about that concept. I read about it, and it's 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 so true, man. Like one percent improving one percent a day is like listening to a podcast for thirty minutes, or yeah. going to the gym for thirty minutes, or even sweating. Yeah, sweat for thirty sweat minutes. for thirty Just minutes. Something simple that you meditate can do. for thirty minutes. Anything that improves yourself. Right. Just improving 1% every day will Dude, yield incredible results. That's so powerful cuz I'm working on something right now like not not like something physical to drop out or anything but just something that I'm thinking about. It's like momentum. Yeah. So much of what we do like and and how we are relies on momentum whether For it be sure. positive or negative. Uh the feedback loops and like you know you you 
improve one habit or one area of your life, it often leaks into others. And then you start, oh, well, I cut back on this. Well, now I find myself eating better and, and meditating and doing. But that can also go in the reverse. Yeah. Where, like, you know, you take a few days off. You, you Now you're slacking. You're like, ah, well, forget it. Might, might as well watch TV. Might as well not sleep. Might as well blah, blah, blah. Like, you kind of make excuses for yourself. So yeah. momentum's huge. I'm looking at my notebook because I have a quote that's written down. And it's, uh, habits are the compound interest of self-improvement. And I think that is something that, like, I try to remind myself of each day. Like, if I focus on that one percent each day that becomes a habit and when you have a habit it it you know it leads to um just doing things consistently right so i love it i love it um uh, question number three what's a startup uh, or company that you think more people should know about that's not your own or not you're not involved in it great question uh you could use it or benefit from it in some way, but it, you're not directly involved in it. I mean, I think people should know more about Hoppier, but that's, that's not, <laughs> that doesn't count. Uh, I think that a big one that I've been... Uh, I mean, uh, this is a really tough question, actually. I haven't thought about that one before. We could skip it and come back yeah, to it. Yeah, let's come back to that yeah. one. All right. Uh, best business advice you've ever been given? Best business advice I've ever been given? I, I did not intend to make these hard. Literally, just you. No, I know. Yeah. I just, I, I, I probably think deeply about this. You, you win some and you learn some. Ooh, you win some. You, you, you don't lose some. in business. Ooh. Or if you, if you lose, it's because you're not learning from whatever you lost from. Powerful. Um, uh, yeah. So, this one was kind of just like light to end it. But uh, what's your favorite snack uh, from favorite from Hoppier? That you guys uh, offer. Probably just the basic chocolate covered almond. Chocolate covered almond. Yeah. It comes in like a little sack of chocolate covered almond. It's just almond. a yeah, we, we fill them up in dispensers and it's just the tastiest snack for sure. I love it. Let's come back to that uh last question. If you can't think of anything, no problem. It doesn't matter. But a startup company that you think more people should know about. Or any any company or service or product or something that you just think people don't know about. Yeah, I think a really cool one um, that we've come across recently and we've explored using, we don't actually use right now, is a company called Sendoso. They essentially make it easy to send things to people. Okay. And in a you know in a world where there is so much noise with emails and with phone calls and with online marketing, physical delivery and physical things to receive like from companies is a way to stand out today like it used to be the old way of doing business you send something to somebody or you yeah. send a piece of mail or you know maybe even like a bag or a box of cupcakes or something like that right and so what they do is they they send anything like they can send whatever you want if you wanted to send a pinata they'll figure it out and they integrate into like workflows and different things um, and I think that is, is one of the coolest ideas I've seen in a long time. It's just like a sending platform is what they call it. Yeah, man. So Sendoso, check it out. I, I heard about like people sending each other eggplants or like random things, just like yeah. random things with a note on it. Yeah. <laughs> it makes a difference, right? Because like imagine, you know, you get 20 calls a day or not a day, 20 calls a month or, you know, 10 emails a week from some people selling you different things. But then somebody sends you a box of like macaroons and it's like, hey, check, you know, we just wanted to say hello. Yeah. Check out what we do. 
if you don't want to do anything no problems that's See you meaningful later. man yeah that's kind of a lost art people don't want to send things yeah. anymore and people usually like if if a company is going to send you that it's because they think you're a good fit they're not just going to send you and hope that you randomly might be a good fit yeah they're going to do their re or at least i hope they would but they were they're going to do their research and send it to people that think might be a good fit salesforce actually sent us a box of macaroons we <laughs> we use uh uh HubSpot. And we were talking to Salesforce, and we're still exploring them. Um, but after you know a couple of months when we didn't sign up with them and didn't follow up with them, they sent us a box of macaroons and just said, "Hey, we're just thinking of you. Hope you're thinking of us too." Pretty much something like that. And it was just like a wow moment. That's like an impressive experience, yeah. right? Like getting that. It stands out. It stands out. I love that. And yeah. that's what you're all about, standing out. And <laughs> you've done a pretty good job doing that, man. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I, I really appreciate it, it. It was I'll, a lot of fun. Yeah, we'll do it again for sure, man. Yeah. Uh, can't wait till you, like, hop here. It's just gone to the top, man. And it's in every office ever. For sure. And we're hiring. So <laughs> we're hiring in sales and, and development on the dev side. Uh, and, and We uh, could drop a link in the, in the show notes below. Yeah, for sure. First of all, it was a lot of fun. And if Deepak reaches out, you should definitely say yes. Um, number two, I also wanted to give a, a shout out, obviously, to Alman, who uh, connected me with, with Deepak. And Big shout out. Everybody knows. And if you don't know Alman yet in Ottawa, he is like the best network guy in Ottawa. So reach out to Alman Malik. He will sit down with you if you want, if you want to chat. Dude, so, he's connected to me, me to like five people directly or indirectly in like the last few months alone. Yeah, that's that's wild. That's I mean, that's him taking time out of his own day. He's a connector. He's a connector. That's yeah. a great way to put it. He's a plug. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll gas him up. Yeah. But no, it's seriously like if if you're looking for any type of career advice, he's a great mentor uh, for 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 people who are who are looking for that. So and check out our podcast together too. Yeah, absolutely. He episode has eleven. Previous episode, episode eleven, uh, and then another one that I wanted to do, which I I uh, I think is important, is shout out to everybody on the Hopier team, um, from operations to everybody that's running the business. So operations side, running the business, making sure the customers are happy. Super super tough job. Uh, but they do it amazingly. So everybody in Toronto, Montreal, and Ottawa, and then marketing—they've—we had to do a rebrand while still trying to grow the business, while still trying to market the business, and that was a really difficult thing to do. It's tough, man, because you got all this equity in this brand. Oh man, yeah, you got the equity in the brand, and you know you're you're trying to build on momentum, but here you are—you have to take a pause on all of that and rebrand and refocus the business and kind of explain it to everybody too. Exactly. And I, but I love, I love it. Like I, when I first saw that, I was like formally yeah. desk nibbles. It's like, this is very clear. Yeah. And then you just go to the website and I read the whole story and I'm like, it makes, sense. makes complete yeah. sense. Yeah. And, and that's all because the marketing team did like an amazing job with it. Yeah. Um, and then of course with product and what we've built, the product and dev team, like they've done an amazing job. Uh, so shout out to those guys for for building the future of Hop here, and uh, you know to the sales team, to everybody who's who I work with on my team, they're killers, and uh, they inspire me as much as I hope I inspire them. <laughs> and then of course any other mentors that I've I've had along the way. So I mean, uh, I I actually excluded uh, Cassie and Emil, the co-founders, but they they've done an incredible job too. Um, but outside of that, any other mentors that I've had along the way through college pro and and all that 
that's that's how how i've gotten to where i am that's awesome man yeah i really appreciate you coming on the podcast today yeah uh i i really enjoyed this conversation i think people are going to get a lot of value from it i hope so and uh yeah just remember guys it's not that deep it's not that deep i hope you enjoyed that conversation with marcus as much as i did i gained a ton of insight and a ton of value remember uh check out hopier and uh contribute to my patreon page if you can subscribe on all platforms and just remember it's not that deep Thank you.